Hi everyone and welcome back to How to Save the Planet. It's me, Mona, your favourite climate campaigner and I'm back again with Louisa. Say hi Louisa. Hello. Do, 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 do. I feel like there's been so much going on Louisa. Uh, you and me both Mona. So wait, let's, let's break it down. So we've had uh, Jewish Bay which is the coal mine up near Northumberland. So the plans for that were rejected for the second time which what? Yes I am very excited about this. It's it's really wicked because local campaigners have been fighting this company putting a coal mine on this like crazy beautiful beach for so many years and it keeps getting rejected and they keep appealing it and they've been rejected again and yeah it's one of those really exciting moments where you get to be like yes local campaigning works activism works like these things can be stopped yeah and i and i think it, re- it really does remind me of our like fracking win as well of like it feels like sometimes you're not moving but then when you know you get these wins you're like yes it's all worth it yeah, I'm really excited for the campaigners as well because like people have been working so hard on this and they just keep winning it. It's fantastic. And in other news, uh, uh, we are starting a legal challenge against the government. Um, Link back to actually um, a podcast episode we did on you know taxpayer funding of a specific project in Mozambique. So that has like exciting opportunities because I think we can hold the government to account again on it's like how they're spending our money and obviously how it's you know destroying the lives of people in Mozambique. Yeah, and I won't lie to you, Mona, I really enjoy it when we take the government to court. I mean, this is, isn't as breaking news as the, the other two items, but it is getting a bit cold outside, Louisa. It is. I've had to start wearing jackets again, and frankly, I'm pleased about it. You are? I, I find it easier to, like, style myself when I can put a jacket on. That's fair. And you know what? Speaking of, like, fashion and style, I, like, it is like it's the month of London Fashion Week, but I think we've definitely all seen kind of the pictures of the endless like piles of clothing going straight to landfill um, and just, I guess that's the surprising images of how much fashion actually does impact the climate. Way too big a percentage of carbon emissions in my book. Apparently the average cotton shirt takes what, 2,700 litres of water to produce. I can't even fathom that. So yeah, hang on, how does that measure up like water-wise? What would that look like if you were like drinking that? It would be two and a half years. For one shirt? For one Average cotton shirt, that's how much water it takes. That's mad. It's mind-boggling, like, the extent of the damage. Okay, well, I've got one depressing one for you. Okay, bring it on. So you know how when you do online shopping... You're like buy a bunch of stuff and you'll like get a couple of sizes because you don't know which one's gonna work exactly um and also if you're me like get too overexcited by like bold patterns that actually i can't pull off um <laughs> when you send them back it's usually cheaper for them to put them into landfill rather than repackage and send it out again so when you return the sizes that don't work tons of that stuff just ends up in landfill that doesn't get sold again what no 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 i know i like i'm having to rethink my entire life right now as in they send it to landfill even though even though it's new you just like yeah but then it's like when you return things to the shops they just hang it up why why is it any different to that i do not know that's wild because in my head you'd be like okay i'm gonna order all the stuff now on one go so i don't have to return and then order again uh, in, in some ways you'd be like oh, i'm doing maybe the better thing yeah less postage right that's less right. cars driving around you think you're doing you think you're doing a good thing no that is unacceptable that actually has me fuming a little bit I've, i need a minute louisa <laughs> <laughs> okay okay take a breather okay um but then we have to talk to our guests. So today we have such great guests to help us make sense of the fashion world and how to be sustainable. 
we have Rosalind Studd, don't we, Louisa? We do, who has been working in the fashion industry for years, but now is on a massive mission to get us all actually mending our clothes. So she launched repairwhatyouwear.com, which is a website offering free tutorials like for mending your own clothes. Um, and yeah, she's kind of trying to fight uh, against the, the disposable nature of our fashion at the moment. Then we have Marie, founder of Congregation Design, a collective of designers um, and makers challenging fashion rules and putting sustainability and transparency at its core. Thank you so much for joining us, Roz. Um, I'm particularly excited to speak to you because I feel like to my mum's despair, I haven't really picked up a lot of technical um, skills when it comes to mending my clothes and just anything sewing or fashion related so I'm hoping having you today can help bridge that gap um, but before we begin can you just give us a quick introduction on who you are and what you do? Yes of course um, well my name is Ros Studd and I teach fashion textiles but um, I've recently set up along with the graphic designer uh, Elahir Lavi um, a website called repairwhatyouwear.com. And the idea is that we teach you to mend clothes with a needle and thread. You worked in the fashion industry and now obviously, you know, you kind of teach textiles. Um, when did you kind of start this sustainable fashion journey? T talk us through the kind of a big moment where you were like, oh my God, the shocking impacts of our clothes um, on the world and the climate. Was there, was there a moment for you that you were like, this is it? I think we were all shocked when we discovered, and this was some time ago, 95, when children were being involved in sewing football, uh, footballs for Nike. Mm -hmm. And Nike didn't realize that it was happening because the production chain then was being devolved. So they thought they were dealing with one company, but it was being subcontracted. And then, of course, we had the Rana Plaza disaster in mm -hmm. seven years ago. Talk us through the Rana Plaza because they may be... Uh, you know, people who are a bit unfamiliar with it. It was horrible. Um, a huge building where they were manufacturing uh, clothing in Bangladesh collapsed. And um, I think about 1,350 people were killed and 2,500 workers were injured. Mm. And when you read about it, you hear that they had to go through the rubble to find the labels to know who was actually subcontracting to the factory. So transparency became an issue and organizations like um, Fashion Rebellion set up mm. at that time to bring around transparency in the industry. Can you talk us through a bit about thinking behind the website and encouraging people to repair rather than, than buy new things? Along with what we buy, we also have an environmental impact. So when clothes split, if we don't mend them, we throw them. And we have very high amounts of landfill in the UK, 350,000 tonnes per annum. When I thought of the project, I started talking to lots of people and found that it was pretty universal not to have confidence to do basic mending in clothing. It's a great site and uh, it's, it's really useful instructions and definitely stuff that I, I mean, I was never really taught because I feel like when you do... I remember doing home ec at school and you would learn how to do things with a sewing machine, but I can't get a sewing machine and I can't remember how to use one either. And, and my vision was always you don't have to become a brilliant seamstress. That's not the point. How easy actually is it to, to mend things with a needle? Because I'll be honest with you, I am terrible. With, with arts and crafts with my hands but my my <laughs> uh, my inspiration is there my effort is there it's just the execution I like I think I think everyone can do it now the thing is you don't have to expect it to be a work of art 
You just have to think, I'm going to mend that hole. And I did. And, you know, that saved me a tenner. Brilliant. Next time I might do it a bit better. I think everyone can mend. I mean, I've met, I've met people who lack confidence, but that's a different thing. You know, we set ourselves very high sights on everything these days, particularly with social media. We think everything has to be completely perfect. We do. Honestly, it doesn't. It just has to work. It doesn't mean you have to love it. That's really important. You know, it's not about becoming somebody fabulous with a needle. It's about all those little things adding up to making a difference. So I think I think you can do it. I do. Yeah. I believe I believe in you, Manan. I think you're playing yourself down. I've got a vision of myself now. Just I might create a whole catalogue. I, I do think that's an interesting point, though. Like, they're not. You don't have to love it, and you don't have to become amazing at it. Because I, I, I th- yeah, I totally agree with you, Ros. I think we've got particularly with social media pressures, or I think just kind of how our culture seems to have shifted is the idea that any hobby that you do, you should be amazing at it enough to make money, and anything you do should, yeah, should be a wonderful passion and actually there are a lot of things that sometimes you just have to do because you have to do them in the same way you kind of have to you know I had to clean my flat more often than I want to um but it's you know just kind of necessary isn't it we will have to mend and it's in order to protect our environment it's in order to help our budgets um and so it's as basic as learning to chop an onion or make a a sauce when you're cooking you know I, I would love to be much better at mending clothes and keeping things going what I I guess what I wonder is is there something that I should also be bearing in mind in the process of buying clothes in that case and making sure that um, I'm getting things that can last and be mended yes for sure um, and there's a lot of discussion at the moment about asking where your clothes come from and transparency uh, but I think we also need to look at quality because the cheaper the cloth, the less long the garment is going to last. And are there some easy ways to like d- decipher, you know, if I'm in a shop or, you know, is, is it like a buzz of like scanning, scanning, no bad fabric, but bad fabric, oh, that's the gold mine, let me go there. You can feel something. Is it wool? It says it's wool, but is it really cheap wool? <laughs> you know, Because you can feel the difference just because it's labelled as something um, like 100% wool or 60% wool. It, it, does, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a higher quality wool, that it's constructed in the right way, that it's going to last. So look at your, look at the f- fabrics things are made in. Oh, particularly with jeans, long lasting jeans is the, is the holy grail. <laughs> holes between the thighs. <laughs> if it's holes between thigh, thighs, sacrifice a pair of trousers and follow my instructions. We'll get that one sorted. Sacrifice one to patch the others. So choose one that's absolutely terrible and keep it in the cupboard and then you can chop up squares of it. Let me think. Look at the labels on cloth. Well, polyester doesn't biodegrade um, and is a fossil fuel in the first place. Cellulosic cloth is, in theory, better, does biodegrade. So that sort of uh, rayon viscose, that sort of thing. Um, But if it's made in a very low-cost place, then the likelihood is that it's not produced in a terribly environmentally friendly way. If you're buying cotton, try and buy organic cotton. It really makes a difference, a huge difference, because cotton is very water hungry, as you know, but it's also pesticide hungry. 16% of the world's pesticides used on cotton production currently. 
Wow. What do you think in terms of the industry and how they're approaching the issue of, of good quality fabrics and sustainability? Because it seems in the benefit of the industry to make things fall apart quicker so that we buy more. Well, th- there's no easy solution to the fashion industry. So undoubtedly, we have to buy less and wear longer. And that would include mending. So that has to be our gold standard in order to bring around change. The uh, organizations like uh, Fashion Revolution are encouraging people to ask who made their clothes. And there's a whole program behind that. But they've also produced annually a transparency index, which you can see online, which shows um, which suppliers are making, which of the big brands are making inroads into sustainability, uh, transparency, labor laws, and all those really important things. And the view is that the industry is slowly changing, but I would say without the consumer changing and voting with their feet, uh, it's going to carry on being slow. Yeah, and and do you think um, brands could do more to support consumers to mend and keep their clothes? Well, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because every business up until now has considered profit as their gold standard. But a couple of years ago, they became aware of um, a general turning towards environmental credentials as well as profit. And anyone who could still carry on getting away with it was trying to. Um, I honestly think that any business with any sense right now will see that they have to change their model. If you're a total beginner with very low confidence, this, you know, where would you recommend someone, basically me, where would you recommend me to start? (laughs) Well, just go onto our website and look at the basic stitches. So we show you how to thread a needle by being in a less irritating way, because even threading a needle can drive people bonkers. Oh, God, yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. (laughs) And then backstitch, because you can mend almost anything with backstitch. And next is buttons, because they're essential. You know, if a button falls off a shirt, you don't want to be throwing it away. And then if you have got got there, then have a go at uh, hemming stitch. Because just with those basic skills, you can mend 90%. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, I know. Good as that. Yeah. I just, yeah, I think what you've done for me anyway in this call is almost demystified mending because I just, there are certain friends and, you know, even my mom who are very arts and crafts, but it, it, it just feels like in my head, those are skills like for the, the crafty people, those who have like almost an innate like experience and just knack for it. So I think this has really helped to like clear that fog and almost really break it down for me in a simple way to get to get mending my clothes and protecting the planet. Yeah, I hope so, because that's the whole aim of it. Before we say a final goodbye, where can the people find you and learn more about your fantastic website? Well, if you look at repairwhatyouwear.com, then also on Instagram, repairwhatyouwear, Facebook, repairwhatyouwear, and YouTube. And if you go onto YouTube, become a subscriber, because then you'll automatically get the new updates. Love it. Yes, subscribe. You have to promise me that you send me a photograph of your first men. I mean, I, I will promise it, but you have to also promise not to laugh. So it is a two-way street. I never laugh. I <laughs> never laugh. Enjoy. Repairwhatyouwear.com. Everyone go check it out. Thank you so much, Roz. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. It was so great to talk to Roz. Now let's head to our chat with Maria about making clothes from used fabrics. Louisa was really disappointed, but couldn't be here for this one. Hi, Marie. It's so lovely to have you here today. I'm really excited to learn more about your work and you know how it's bettering the planet. But before we get stuck into it, can you introduce yourself and the collective? Yes, of course. So uh, I'm Marie. I graduated a few years ago from a, a master in a 
fashion design menswear uh, at the Royal College of Art. It did start really there, the, the, the full... Um, the origin of the collective uh, to do things differently between other uh, experiences in uh, in the industry. And I think that was quite uh, traumatic. All what we could get in the industry was uh, really poor and pressurizing, like really much, like in terms uh, of resources, like human resources, but as well for the planet. So from that, I saw that instead of, you know, what do usually fashion designer is to start making the collection and then the producer show, they do lookbook, they go to Paris to sell their garments to mm. buyers. And I saw if we were doing all a little bit of that, 13 people would work together or maybe 20. And then maybe from that, we could do a collection. And the, the, the reduction of everything would be like really significant for the planet and mm. for our footprint. So this is the way it really starts. And you speak about traumatic, like trauma and being finding it so traumatic. And I think that's a really interesting way to describe it because there's obviously the the shiny outside bits to fashion. And then almost when you're in it, you can see damaging effects of it. Was that part of the reason that inspired you to kind of focus on upcycling? Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, because um, really being a fashion insider can be sometimes devastating. And you know that uh, if you want to make your career through, you just have basically to to shut your mouth so mm -hmm. um that 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 was really a heartbreaker for a lot of us so in the collective we saw that there is ways to to change the system and the way we do things however i uh we need to experiment and try those out so one of the i mean we we did the uh, two collections so far and taking the time is not, you know, this crazy calendar that we have to follow about Fashion Week. Like we want new every three months. This is not how we see things. So um, right. our collection tend to be yearly and we really speak when we've got something to say. What we wanted to talk about is about the resources who exist in the world. So we saw that upcycling was like the, the perfect uh, tool to work on that new collection. So uh, to say a, a bit about upcycling, it's just basically it could apply to er uh, anything. How you give, uh, you up value something, an object by reworking it, but keeping the essence. Mm, giving a new life. Yeah, yeah, basically. That's really like a push us to minimize uh, our impact on the planet by the material we use. Because, uh, if, I mean, it can be so wasteful when you're not careful about um, what you use to cut a garment or yeah. even to dye it. When you speak about waste, and obviously when we think about the kind of the impact fashion has on the planet, do you think kind of fashion brands can do more to utilize and reuse fabric that's already out there and produced? I mean, certainly we've seen some of the the, the brands like H&M and Zara at least have some pushes around sustainability, but do you think it goes far enough? Um, I think it's a, it's a really a, a big struggle for big company because of their sizes and how to mm. scale. And as long as the, the money will only drive their interest, when you've got one top in the full shop, which is uh, made right. out of organic cotton, is a bit like a smoke screen. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so I think it, it will take time for the industry really to adapt. I think our role as a consumer is really like to um, to select what we consume really carefully, being aware of um, of the cost it takes to make things, especially if you uh, uh, give value to old 
close or to existing resources. So I would advise um, yeah people to to think about that when they when they buy something. But I think ice cream can't be sustainable just by the essence of it. Buying fewer things, but like better quality if possible. I mean, I think it's always, for me anyway, brings up a struggle of sometimes when you want to care about the planet, it seems like potentially all the fun things are just having a disastrous effect on the world. You know, from your side and thinking, do you think it's possible to care about fashion and the planet at the same time and still be able to use clothes as a way to express your personality yourself and, you know, just to, to feel good. Do you think they're compatible? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, totally. I think that being sustainable is like looking for the unique, the specific. And, uh, you know, at this time of globalization, I think it's really precious, like the time you, you would spend to find the perfect piece. So I think it can be see through this way. And we've got all, uh, surrounding us, like amazing resources where we can, uh, we can, uh, find amazing stuff, like, um, like charity shop. I'm working in the fashion industry and I'm, uh, always my point is to be like on the edge of what is going on and styling mm. is really important, but I never buy anything new because I can't afford for the quality I want. So. All I go to is like a charity shop and friends. I think it's as well, it's really important to, uh, there is really a growing community. And I think COVID like really helps on that to give the opportunity, um, for a young designer to, to take the time to be home, make stuff and just like share it online. So I think this is a, a, a definitely like a, a great opportunity to encourage mm. people. Even deeper, the last, um, place you may think of is like your own wardrobe i mean in in our new collection we've got a, a designer who just picked some clothes from uh, the school uniform for from a boyfriend oh, wow <laughs> and she just turned it into a, a really like an evening uh, skirt which is uh, really beautiful and uh really chic yeah okay so what i'm hearing is you know sites like depop connect more with friends and family maybe i guess you can have your own little swap shop with your network is there a few kind of practical tips or things we should be looking for um to really i guess identify how sustainable uh you know an item has been produced mm, i think that uh when you're on the shop literally uh, i think what you can look at is uh the price the first thing is the price now how can something be sustainable if 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 it's on sale for two pounds um it's not working because you know that the shop gets like uh, more than 50% of the price for them. Mm -hmm. And then what's the rest of it is like the transport, the, the factories. So what does left for the, the labor and all as well, the travel behind is like really a uh, costing on the, on the planet. So I think mm -hmm. that's what to look at. I think it's good to, to have a, a bit of a reflective journey here before you shop again. You look at what you've got in your wardrobe and you can see that. So for, with some brand stuff that you, you bought, uh, and you never wore. Yeah. Or there is stuff that, uh, didn't last for long. I think that's what I would encourage people to, to do. Thank you so much for those practical tips. But before we leave you, Marie, is there any place that the listeners can find you in the amazing collections? We're on Instagram. We've got our own uh, website. It's a uh, congregation design. And uh, really soon we will be uh, releasing uh, our last collection, which is 100% uh, upcycled. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and with that, we'll say goodbye. Thank you so much, Marie. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
Very interesting. Thanks a lot to Marie for chatting to us. Check out the collective's Instagram, Congregation Design, to see that you can enjoy fashion without costing the planet. Uh, Okay, so Muna, most important question first. Have you mended anything since we spoke to Roz? Uh, I knew you were going to ask this question. And honestly, I haven't. But that's only because, I guess maybe this is a case of just like, you know, COVID. I haven't really worn anything down like I, I think the need hasn't arisen yet mm-hmm. that sounds like a <laughs> that sounds like an excuse to me uh, yes I may be waffling but can we have a check-in like can we have a month down the line I'll make sure to have it um I mean aside from my failed promises I think one thing for me that was pretty striking was the idea of actually, I guess, us as consumers having power. It's so good to be reminded of what we can do and to feel actually empowered in, in our buying power. Um, and obviously, I guess, the need for, you know, government to step in and ensure there's transparency in, in how clothes are produced and not just greenwash marketing, which I am tired of. I do feel like I've learned some new skills and information to feel a bit more confident about what to look out for and to make those decisions and inspired by how important it is to be doing that and my power as a consumer so I think that is a that's a really positive thing I'm taking from this but it should be much easier to to make these choices and we should have a much more transparent process yes exactly and I guess speaking about feeling empowered and having influence about the way our world works right now government are making big decisions about what life will look like post-covid and you still have the chance to have your say so please head to our website friendsoftheearth.uk of course you can find out um your local climate action group there is a lot you want to get stuck in to things happening around you i think that's it from us louisa i think it is mona yes okay well take care everyone and we'll see you soon bye 